Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in. That's Mike Rutherford here with Keith Wynn. Louisville, Virginia, Saturday game, 3.30 kickoff from Charlottesville. Uh, originally scheduled to be last week because we're dealing with a, a bunch of COVID issues. And uh, well, Keith, first of all, how, how's the week been? Uh, it's not bad, you know. There's more work stuff, but I'm uh, I'm, I'm doing NTI for the first time uh, today and tomorrow, so that's fun. I've, I haven't uh, done that yet. My wife's, you know, uh, a nanny, so she can usually do NTI when my when my daughter has to be home from school. Uh, but that didn't really work out for these two days. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be a teacher for a couple of days. It's, it's a nightmare. So you have, so will Olivia and Patrick be making like drop-ins throughout the day? No, they're like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing like, you know, math, math schoolwork and reading and all with my daughter, fourth grader. So, I mean, like I'm full on, like trying to be a teacher, I guess. If I were, I was trying to think. If I if I was like a full time fourth grade student, I don't think I could get straight A's right now. Like I, I don't. I, like my grades would probably be about what they were when I was actually in fourth grade. Like that's like, first off, math is just, it's it's totally different now, to the point where I can't even explain it. That I don't even really try. Like did she do the common core stuff? Yeah, it's I, impossible. I, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I, I know like five percent about it, but it already pisses me off. Just the little that I <laughs> like, so you definitely shouldn't be looking forward to it. It's it's just not. It's unexplainable, especially for me because I'm fucking awful in math already, and they took it and made it harder, which just seems like a personal like it, it's it's like they did it for like personally to fuck me up. Like it's really bad. I like the like like the, the only thing I know about it is what I know from like Nate Bergasi's stand up, which we went to see him do. He did a drive-in show in Lagrange a few like last month, and it was awesome. But he has a big spiel where he talks about like Common Core math and all the unnecessary steps, and he's like, "It's like if you asked how I get in, how, how you get into my house, and I'm like, you could use the front door. It works perfectly fine. I'll be standing right there. But what we do now is you're gonna go around to the back, you're gonna hop the fence, you're gonna outrun our dog." You're going to uh, to have to climb in the bedroom window and then come right back around to the front door where you were were originally, and I'll be standing here waiting for you. Like that's <laughs> that's what common core math is apparently, and I don't I, I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's it's the the thinking is that it's a a different way of doing it, and it and it you know forces kids to think differently and all that. And you know I I, I bought into it before I actually had to do it. You know, at my, my daughter's principal, she kind of explained it as, and she made a point where she said, you know, we think of things in a now, and sometimes we need to kind of open our minds and think about 
10 years from now, how things might be different, you know, with, with, with technology and all this and the other. And I said, you know, that's, that's probably fair. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then she actually got to the point of actually having to do it. And it was immediately like, no, fuck this. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is stupid. Because it's math. Math is math. I mean, uh, I'll be the guy to say it. Showing your work's fucking overrated. Like, like it's exactly. just, it is. Get the, get the answer right. Like, get to the point. Find out. Like, I, don't, I don't care how you got there. Just give me the answer. That's, uh, that's why I didn't like math growing up. One, I was bad at it. Two, I had the answer because I was cheating a lot of times in geometry. <laughs> Three, could I show my answer in a proof? No, I, I couldn't do it. Just give me the points. Give me, like, half credit. I got the right answer. You know I cheated. I worked hard to get that answer. Uh, anyways. Shout out to Olivia. Fourth grade sucks. Get through it. You'll be fine. Um, but besides that, we have a game to talk about this weekend. And I don't really know what to say about this game. I, I feel like you and I are, are kind of in the same boat. I think a lot of fans are sort of in the same boat. And maybe it's because the game was postponed last week. Maybe it's because we're still not exactly sure like who's fully ready to go for Saturday, what the COVID situation is and all that stuff. But it just... This feels, in a season loaded with bizarre games, this one feels maybe more bizarre than any of them. Uh, and part of the reason I think both teams have, have underachieved a little bit, Virginia comes in 2-4 uh, and four overall. They're coming off a win over North Carolina, which I feel like we've played five games this year against teams that are coming off a big win <laughs> over North Carolina. Uh, but Louisville clearly needing a, a bounce-back victory after losing to Virginia Tech a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I guess just to start with, this series against Virginia has been strange. I think when, when we drew them as our coastal, our yearly opponent from the coastal division, a lot of people were kind of bummed that it wasn't a big name. But the, the flip side of that was we felt like it was going to be a team we should be able to beat pretty much every year. Hadn't really been the case, uh, especially when we've gone down there. They beat us in that first year when uh, I think it was our first ACC loss. We were nationally ranked. We had the James Quick fight. He ended up dropping a punt. The James Quick special, I like to call it, getting in a fight and then uh, having a, a horrible gaffe that cost us the game. Uh, and then two years later, we're in the thick of the, the, the college football playoff race, and we almost lose. Lamar Jackson has to convert that fourth down. Uh, ball gets tipped, and then he has the last second touchdown pass to Jalen Smith. And then just showing how bad the 2018 season was, a game that I legitimately remember nothing about. We lose 27-3. to and when I looked up that score before we, we started taping this, I was like, damn, we only gave up 27 points? Like, that was, that was when Brian Van Gorder was still in his prime that year. He was trying. <laughs> we were feeling pretty good. But, it, like, overall, your thoughts on the series with Virginia, it has been not what, not at all what we expected back in 2014. So it's kind of funny because that 2014 game is, is kind of like the most um, – it, 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 it was the best um, – visual of how I felt that Bobby Petrino 2.0 went because you have this team, this team that's more talented, uh, um, better coached. And all they kept doing on offense was literally trying to throw slant routes. Yep. And they kept getting batted down at the line. And I remember watching it being like, okay, this is a little, this, it's, it was, it's kind of funny at first. And I was like, yeah, you know, they'll get going. And I'm like, Second quarter comes around, I was like, no, nope, no, nope, still doing the same thing. And, you know, I don't know if people remember, Virginia had two NFL players on that team. They played outside linebacker on either side of the field. And they just, they're big, long, athletic guys. And they just kept doing the same thing. And it was like, yeah, they they figured this out. Like, this isn't, this is just getting out coached. And it was so weird because that wasn't a well-coached team. Um, you know, they didn't have a bunch of talent outside of a few defensive players. 
that they just kept doing the same thing. And I, I just remember thinking, like, this is not what you bring Bobby Petrino back for, you know, to, to be outcoached by a lesser coach. I mean, that you're expecting him to adjust. You're expecting him to take advantage of all this talent that he had left over, and it just never really happened. And I think that just that, – that game just – I think about that every year because I'm just like, man, whatever it is with, with Virginia, they just seem to keep the games close no matter what. Um, you know, their defense, they're known for defense now under Brock Mendenhall. And I think, and I like, I love Mendenhall. I think he's a great coach. I think that they do a good job of coaching guys up and building that kind of culture stuff. And I think that's important. But every year they overachieve. And I feel like every year Louisville kind of plays down the competition. Uh, but this year, you know, I, I really do feel like Virginia's kind of struggling, especially on offense without Bryce Perkins there anymore. And I, I hope that Louisville doesn't play down on them because I think that Louisville's a better team. Um, but but with this series, the way that it goes, it's always close. That 2014 game, I feel like, was – and this isn't just a Louisville fans thing, but I, I do feel like we kind of do this every year where when an early season game goes not according to plan – and I think we kind of did it with Pitt a little bit this year. Like when a, a team either beats you or just plays the game closer than you should, we're like, you know what? Actually, those guys are going to surprise a lot of people this year. That defense may be the best we face all year. Like, all this shit. We 100% did, did that with Virginia that year. We were like, man, that defense is stout. Like, their front seven is just, like, you're going to see. You guys are going to see. And I think they won one more game the rest of the year. Like, like remember, they, were, they had, like, they carried Mike London off the field, and they were talking yeah. about all of the hard work he's put in. It's finally paying off. He's got, the, you're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And then they just, they fucking sucked. And um, <laughs> they sucked the next year, too. And the, the game that we beat them, which was also closer than it should have been in 2015, uh, wound up being, I think he got fired after that game. It was like the, the nail in the coffin. But it's sort of a, just a, a strange series overall. But um, the 2016 game, too, also had a fucking heart attack 50 times when we almost lost that game. Uh, it just, it, like, our colleague Connor Shea over at Car Chronicle wrote a really good thing calling it uh, the Bermuda Triangle for Louisville football when we go down to Charlottesville. Just weird shit seems to happen. So uh, we'll see what happens this Saturday. But as far as this, this Virginia team, we mentioned – Two and four, start the season, they beat Duke pretty handily, uh, lost four straight games after that. We're fairly competitive against some good teams during that losing streak and then beat North Carolina in their most recent game. The one thing, so I, I'll, I'll be full, full transparency here. I have not read as much about Virginia this week as, as I do most game weeks. I kind of remember some of your stuff that I read last week, but I'm going to lean heavily on you here. The, the one thing <laughs> that I remember about their defense is that they give up a, a bunch of big plays. Which seems to be good for us, correct? Yeah, their their pass defense is really struggling this year. Um, I think in the last two weeks, Charles Snowden, who's their big time outside linebacker, pass rusher, uh, he's you know six seven, you know two hundred and forty pounds. I think just this really super long. He looks like a Virginia basketball player out there, um, and you know really really talented guy. He hasn't. It took until the last two weeks for him to really get going. Off the top of my head, I think he has six and a half tackles for loss and like four sacks over the last two games, some somewhere in that range, and that's pretty much his entire season total. Um, him not getting that pass rush is really hurting them because no one else is, is really that talented as a pass rusher on their entire defense. So I think that's hanging their their defensive backs out to dry a little bit. They also have uh, Brenton Nelson and Joey Blunt, who are their two veteran Safeties, very talented players. Uh, Nelson was a uh, freshman All-American a few years back. Both of those guys are guys that usually are up there in the ACC 
you know, in the, in the leaders in the statistical categories, and they've both been injured a good amount. So that leaves two pretty average cornerbacks and some very young, inexperienced safeties, and they're just struggling, man. They're, they're, we all know without a pass rush, it's really hard to, um, to, to be able to cover, which we've seen, you know, better this year from Louisville. But last year, we really saw that those cornerbacks were getting hung out to dry a lot. That's kind of what Virginia's going through right now. So the passing opportunity should be there. Um, running, they, they really sell out to stop the run. They try to get you in third and long so that they do have an opportunity to maybe, you know, you know, get to the, get the pass rush going or get into the quarterback before you have time to get to those 10-yard, 12-yard routes. So that's what they're, they're probably going to still do. They're probably going to try to stop Jamie and Hawkins. We saw last year Tutu Atwell got on the corner a good amount and, you know, had a, had one big run. They really did a good job of stopping the run last year and then taking away the big plays. This year they can't take away those big plays, or they, they haven't been able to do that. And I think that Louisville has to come out throwing the football, throwing it early, um, not, you know, not trying to – Scott Satterfield likes to set up plays based off of what he's doing early on. He wants to run that stretch run, get you, you know, kind of to, to bring your safeties up, to focus on the run, and then he wants to throw it over your head or – do some mixed misdirection stuff. He just needs to come out and throw the football, man. I mean, spread the field, you know, get three or four receivers out there and get the ball to other guys outside of 2-2 that well so that they can't key on them and, and take advantage of what they do poorly. You know, he, he's, he said this a few weeks ago. We came out against Florida State, and he did, you know, he kind of he, – he, he, the actions spoke louder than the words. He said we've got to get out of the stubborn mindset of just running the ball at the middle and – well, you know, they start spreading the field and throwing the ball around, and, and they, they kill Florida State. We've got to see the same thing this week. That the That's what they don't do well. You can't come out and just say, we're going to still run the ball just because that's, that's our identity. Your identity has to be able to change against, you know, what the opponent is essentially just not good at. And and Virginia's not been very good at uh, stopping the, uh, the pass this year. It's a weird thing, too, because when you look at, like, when you remember back to, like, the preview stuff that was all happening throughout the summer – like the secondary was not supposed to be this much of a weakness because they've got guys that have been around for a while. I mean, they, they lost Bryce Hall, but they've got um, Brenton Nelson, which, by the way, the names, I, I can't see a name, a stereotypical Virginia name and not laugh. Like when I see Brenton Nelson, I'm like, of course you are, Brenton. Uh, of course. Like, <laughs> even their badass players over the years, it's like Quinn Blanding. I'm like, like their quarterbacks, Brennan Armstrong. Look at their last few quarterbacks. Brennan, uh, Bryce, another like pretty badass player, but his name's Bryce Perkins because of course it is. And then uh, like Kurt, Ben Kurt, like like it's just it's like you have to pass some sort of test to, to play for this program. And I, I don't even know. Like I I I, 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 know, I get that I make fun of Virginia in basketball and football, and they constantly just beat the shit out of us. But um, it's not going to change who you are, Virginia. You're, you're still you. But like they, it, they make it easy. They really do. And I mean. <laughs> The, the Zima jokes, the sitting on the berm, all that shit. Like, wait, what? Awesome, you're good at stuff. We're still gonna make fun of you. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. That's that's how I feel about it. It's like the uh, the the kid who, you know, is at 12:01. It's like it's actually midnight when you're sleeping over. It's like, oh, get the, get the fuck out of my house. Like, you're, you're, a fucking, you're right. You're a fucking loser. Um, but and I don't even know what I was talking about at this point. The, the, the secondary, it's surprising to me that they have all these guys back that have played relatively key roles for multiple seasons and they are this uh, are this bad i mean that does that surprise you at all 
Yeah, it is. I mean, even even with even with the injuries, you still expect veteran guys. I mean, they had a lot of injuries last year. And one thing that happens when you have injuries is that you're going to give give other guys experience. You know, you mentioned Bryce Hall, who, who went down with a broken ankle last year. Well, that means that somebody else had to start in his place, and, and that's Devontae Cross, who is a <laughs> – this is kind of one of those things where you kind of <laughs> – you can't, you, can't, you can't help but sit back and be like, man, how did you guys end up in this situation? <laughs> Devontae Cross is a – he was a safety before he was a corner, and I think he was a wide receiver before that, and he was a quarterback when he got there. And you kind of sit back and it's like, how did you guys end up in a spot where you're, like, playing a guy who used to be a quarterback as your starting corner? And he's just, like – I hate to say it, the guy gets burnt, like, over and over again. Like, literally just guys just running right by him. Uh, in North Carolina, De'Ami Brown, who's one of the better receivers in the country, don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, just – Go routes, just literally just beating him off the line and just running past him for touchdowns or, or long plays. And, you know, you, that's surprising for Virginia because they recruit okay, but more than anything, they develop and they identify guys very well who fit what they do. So you see, you know, Virginia's defense, defense is good every year, even though they're playing, you know, three stars all over the place. They're not having a bunch of, like, ridiculous talent down there, but they have guys that make it to the NFL. They have guys that are all ACC. They do well, even without great talent. It feels like this year is a kind of a, I don't want to call it a rebuild year, but it's kind of a miss year where even though they had veteran guys back, for whatever reason, they haven't taken that next step. And and, and the cornerback positions especially are, are really struggling, really an opportunity for Louisville to, uh, to attack those guys. And those safeties, depending on who's healthy, who's not, you know, with, with the one thing when you're playing a team that has some injuries, you give them an extra week, which which happened this past, you know, with, with the with the COVID issue with Louisville. You know, a guy like Brent Nelson might be back. You know, he's been out for a couple couple games. Um, and, and Joey Blunt's been out for a couple games. So those guys might be back, and all of a sudden you have a full-strength Virginia defense as opposed to having an advantage with, with some of those injuries. So we'll have to see who plays. We'll have to see who plays for Louisville also, with obviously, with their COVID issues. All right, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, I obviously had a big week a couple of weeks ago against North Carolina in the win. Brennan Armstrong, uh, Brennan, who, who looks like a Brennan, um, he is the quarterback. He missed a couple of games with um, a concussion, played pretty well against North Carolina. He's not quite the dual-threat quarterback that Bryce Perkins was, um, but can definitely make some plays with his legs. Uh, tossed, I think, three touchdowns against UNC. Uh, what's the most concerning thing about facing this UVA offense on Saturday? Uh, probably Brennan Armstrong extending plays. I mean, we saw the game that really stood out to me when you when we played when Louisville played a team that that really hurt them from that standpoint was actually the pit game. When you watch that game, or, or you know during that whole game, you could see uh, their quarterback did a really good job of avoiding pressure, getting out of the pocket, and keeping his eyes down the field to be able to throw throw to open receivers that maybe had slipped away. Uh, and really hurt hurt them on third downs. That's kind of what Brennan Armstrong's pretty good at. He's he really they run the ball with him a lot. Um, I think he's their leading rusher off, off the top of my head. Um, and they don't really have that traditional run game where they're gonna run their running backs 25, 30 times a game. Uh, mostly because Armstrong's gonna have some design runs. He's gonna scramble. He's gonna uh, you know take off when the pressure comes and things like that. So. That's kind of the big concern. But outside of that, 
I think that, you know, one thing that Louisville has to take advantage of is uh, Virginia turns the ball over a lot between interceptions and fumbles. Um, you know, Louisville played Georgia Tech earlier this year when they were leading the country in turnovers and didn't get one. They can't let that happen. And it's the same kind of situation. Georgia Tech and Virginia, you know, have issues, but have enough talent to beat you. You know, but part of their biggest issue is they turn the ball over too much. Virginia is negative nine, I think, in their losses in turnovers. And they're, uh, they're plus one, I think, in their wins. I mean, when they don't turn the ball over, um, or in the case of their, their first game of the year, they had they, they forced seven turnovers in the first game of the year, um, which which kind of skews that whole number even more. Uh, they, they're, they're good when they can protect the football, keep you off the field by getting first downs, uh, and their defense is obviously always good enough to, to hold teams down pretty well. So Louisville has to find a way to force some turnovers. They've got to make sure that they don't let Brennan Armstrong, who is a very average quarterback, who can, who can take that step up and sometimes can take that step down, they can't let him take that step up and beat him and beat them with three touchdowns like North Carolina did uh, because he'll, they'll win the game if Brennan Armstrong can do those types of things. It sounds like Mendenhall just kind of refused to change the offense despite losing Bryce Perkins, who basically did everything for them last year. Like, watching Virginia last year, and they look, they had success. They won the Coastal Division. Their offense seemed to just be kind of like the, the backyard, let this dude make a play. Like, like he would just run around and like decide, I, I'm, I'm using four yards. I may try to, like, like wait till my receiver. It was very much backyard football. Like you're waiting four seconds for the blitz to come. I mean, it sounds like kind of like what Syracuse used to do with Eric Dungy, too. Um, and it kind of sounds like that's what they're doing this year. Are they ever going to recruit a running back? I mean, just, you know, come on. Like, like be it's, somewhat normal, Bronco. It's crazy. And the thing about it is that it's, it's funny. They got a kid from Indiana who transferred. And, of course, he, he got cleared by the NCAA uh, last Thursday, I think. So right before the game was supposed right. to happen, he's yeah. been sitting out this whole year. Uh, and they've got, a, they've got a redshirt freshman who opted out who's actually a pretty good player, but they never played him last year. It's just one of those things where you, you really – even though they have talented places, I feel like they just refuse to play those guys. It's very weird, but Brooklyn and Hall, it's it, it works. I mean, it worked last year. They got to the agency championship. You know, hard to really knock it. it it's funny you say that because, like, right before we started taping the pod, I saw that the one basketball player in college basketball – actually, there have been two now – who had his um, waiver claim rejected by the NCAA was David Sloan, who played in high school, grew up here in Louisville, and was going to go to Kansas State this year. Um, the other guy was Tyler Sutton, Louisville, went to NKU uh, from Bullet County, and now you're saying like the last guy to get cleared on the football side of things gets cleared right before he plays Louisville. Like, I know everybody thinks that the NCAA and ESPN and everybody hates their team. It's hard not to see this shit pile up and be like, what the fuck? Like, like this is, we should start like it's very much like the, we could be the sports QAnon. Like there, uh, there's somebody <laughs> NCAA who's Q. We're gonna have like uh, end drops. Well, that sounds that sounds terrible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do. uh, and anon sounds it's probably taken. Uh, NC anon. I don't know, but whatever. Uh, basically, the NCA sucks. That's my whole point here. Uh, making a long-winded way of doing it. Uh, anything else we need to know about Virginia before we get ready for this game? Anything else that really stands out? You know, I, I think you know. I kind of I, I touched on the on the turnovers. I really can't stress it enough. I mean, this this team is just hilariously bad at protecting the football um and I, I do think that you know that first game even skews their numbers from a turnover standpoint they got seven turnovers against duke duke just i don't know duke just shit the bed for whatever reason 
And, you know, I really do think that usually this Virginia defense is so worrisome because they're, they're so uh, – they they're always full of veteran players. They're so technically sound. They always know where to be. And they, they have pretty good athletes. They don't have those athletes this year. So I think this should be a game – you know, I know fans are clamoring for it. Hell, I'm even joining the, joining the band. The offense has to be able to be closer to what they were against Florida State. They have to be that more consistently – uh, and and Virginia, in the Virginia Tech game, they started off so slow. They've got to come out and really do well early on against Virginia. Um, Virginia's offense is just kind of this grab bag. They're playing three to four quarterbacks at times. Sometimes those quarterbacks will play wide receivers. Sometimes those guys will play running back. Sometimes they'll throw the ball to the other quarterback, and they'll throw the ball. I mean, they're they're doing whatever it takes to try to get points on the board because they don't have a lot of talent. They don't have a lot of consistency. Louisville has to kind of take advantage of the, the, the areas where they have an advantage. Every time I think that we're going to have, like, like the data shows that we should have a low-scoring game, it's a high-scoring game. And every time it looks like it should be a high-scoring game, it's sort of the opposite. So like, I'm choosing to believe that this is going to be a sloppy, gross, low-scoring game just because everything says it should be a shootout. Um, I mean, Notre Dame put up, what, 47 on Clemson. We held those dudes to one touchdown, and they shouldn't have even had that one touchdown. Um, so as far as predictions, I'll go first. It's so – it's so hard to predict this game. I, we don't. We don't even know who's playing for Louisville. We could wake up Saturday morning and there could be like 30 out with COVID, or the whole team could be healthy. We just don't know. I'm choosing to believe that Louisville's going to get things right. I think this is a on paper. It's a good match for them. I'm going to go against everything that I actually think is going to happen and say Louisville wins a slugfest, weird, ugly, low-scoring game. I'll say Louisville 27, Virginia 23. What's your official prediction? Yeah, I think the the big factor, like you said, is who's going to be be available for Louisville. Um, Satterfield this week seemed to kind of admit that the guys that are out last game will also be out this game, which I, I don't think makes much sense from a policy standpoint. I think those guys should be available, but who knows? Who knows what happened during the shutdown last week, obviously. So I think it's going to be a shootout because I think that Louisville is going to score on this Virginia defense. I think the defense is still going to struggle because I think guys are going to be out again. Um, so I'm going to go with 45-31 Louisville. I love it. Um, we're going to answer a couple of questions from Twitter before we get out of here. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys again, this podcast is sponsored by our friends at Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their wide variety of retro college gear, uh, including Louisville gear. They they launched their new line of Louisville stuff back on October 17th. It's done really well for them, uh, and it should because it's awesome. They've got the the dunking Cardinal bird in a variety of poses, the old school Cardinal bird wearing shades. They've got a Saturday's T-shirt. Uh, they got hoodies for you. I'm actually wearing one of their uh, Vermont Catamount hoodies right now. Super soft. I've worn it a ton over the last couple of years. Does not break down. And if you check out, uh, when you check out from homefieldapparel.com, if you use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE, that's going to save you 20% on your first purchase of that vintage Louisville apparel. Again, all one word, CARDCHRONICLE at checkout. Follow Homefield Apparel on social media. They're not hard to find. It's Homefield Apparel without an E on Twitter and uh, Homefield Apparel on Instagram. Homefieldapparel.com is the website. Again, big thanks to them and check them out and use that promo code CARDCHRONICLE to save yourself some dough. All right, Keith, you ready to, uh, to answer some questions here from Twitter? Sure. I would help if I had them pulled up. So this is going to be uh, – <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to, to shift through. Every time I ask – the very first question that I saw 
was what's the name of the podcast when I asked for questions on Twitter. So that's uh, always a, always a very good start here. Um, any chance that Malik Cunningham is not the quarterback at the end of this season for purely football reasons? I'm going to say no. Um, I'll, I'll hand that over to you. I'm pretty succinct. I still think I still think no. I mean, I think he's uh he's had some ups and downs, but really, you know, he hasn't done anything this year that would really make me think that they're just gonna abandon on him. I think that you know, from a football standpoint, you know, if they, I think from a wins and losses, yeah, that that might change things. But I mean, Malik Cunningham has has not been he hasn't taken that step forward. I think that we all kind of expected to, but he's at least progressed and he's better than he was. And I, I think as long as he's kind of trending upwards. They're going to keep playing. Uh, Cole says Monty Montgomery is getting a lot of love. Who's the one guy on this team that's having a big-time season that not enough people are talking about? Um, I feel like Trey Clark gets talked about a lot, too, so I won't say him. Um, Dorian Etheridge probably gets a, 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 his fair share of love. Everybody on offense gets his fair share of love. Um, who am I overlooking? Who, who's... CJ Avery, I guess it's maybe the answer. I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's I'd I'd go with Cole Bentley. Okay, um, I like, like that. He's been unbelievable this year, really. I mean, you know, from a standpoint, you know, it's hard to grade offensive linemen. Obviously, you see some of the accolades from the standpoint the Remington Trophy. He's a quarter finalist or whatever, wherever level they are right now. And PFF uh, has been grading him out really high. He's done a really good job. I think the only Four game he had everybody had a four game against Pitt, but he's done a really good job in the run against the run and against and ends a pass blocker, um, and I think that's really it's good to see because he struggled a couple years ago. He struggled a little bit last year when he was splitting time, and he's really owned that position. I think I think he's done a really good job, and I hope people are noticing it. Uh, Greg says, "How does Brian Van Gorder still have a job in college football?" I mean, that is we mentioned BBG a little bit earlier in the pod for the the fact. That- held the 2018 Virginia Cavaliers to a mere 27 points in a 24-point loss. But what, what did they give up the other night? Like 622 yards? Something like that. And apparently last year they gave up 737 or something like that to Kent State. In all seriousness, like how how can one person be this bad at whatever they do and main, not, not just maintain their one job but continue to get other jobs in the same field? I mean, it'd be like if you were a firefighter and everything that you touched just burned down. Like, like you had you successfully put out zero fires. One time you doused a campfire back in 1987 that some kids had said illegally, and you've been riding that one like pouring of, of, of water on a small fire for the last three decades. It makes zero sense to me. I think it's all the headshot. Like his headshot is just it's a hair, it's a stash, it's everything, man. He's he just he's got the perfect headshot. And I mean, every, this I man, think- People are like looking through and like, oh wow, that guy looks like he can coach football. I have, that's all I can get. That's all I got. I have no clue what it is. This man has already made more money in his life than you and I could ever dream of, and yeah. he's done it by being miserable at, at everything he's done. It'd be like if you or I misspelled every word in a post and like just posted it. And we're like, no, we're not correcting it. This is what it is. This is the content you signed up for. I, I mean, and, and got paid handsomely to do that. Like it's just. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, trying to see if we have another question we can answer here. Um, we got one asking. We'll end on this because somebody wants to know how does Louisville finish out this season? Last four games, what's the record? What would you say? I mean, I, I still have a hard time seeing them not have a chance to win out. 
I mean, I think that, you know, even last, even the last game, Virginia Tech, that was the game that I was really worried about. And I feel like they still had a chance to win it. I feel like if the defense was full, was, was fully healthy, I think they would have won that game. You know, I, I really do. I think that the offense looked good uh, after they finally got it going. I think the defense actually finally like, did pretty well, even though they were light on players, but they just couldn't, they couldn't keep up. I mean, you know, Virginia Tech's going to run the ball and you're missing your front, your, your defensive front. That's really hard to come overcome. I think if they're healthy, uh, which is which we don't know. We won't know until Saturday, at probably around you know what one o'clock, you know noon when they when they send out the availability report to see who they have and if those guys can play. If they're healthy, especially on the defense side of the ball, I think they can play with everybody left on the schedule. Boston College looks a little bit better this year, but they're not outstanding. They still have you know ups and downs. They can't run the ball, which is super weird. Um, and then I think everybody else, I think the rest of the, the schedule, Syracuse is just, I'm surprised they're still playing. They have so many guys out and so many guys that opted out. I think they're actually playing, you know, walk-ons and things like that. So I think the schedule gets much easier. Um, if Louisville can be healthy, I don't see why they can't win out. And I think if they went out, I'm, I think the fans would be happy with that, even though the this, this season hasn't gone the way that we, we expected it to. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if we're going to play four games here at this point. Like, it's yeah. – Predicting anything is impossible. I've been trying to do some college basketball preview stuff, and ha- halfway through anything, you're like, I don't fucking know. Like, like they, they, we don't even know if these teams are gonna play. Like, half these games aren't even like officially scheduled. It's all just an, an absolute mess. But uh, whatever. We're gonna still be doing podcasts here to talk about all this good stuff. This is what we do. We're gonna trudge through all of this together, and hopefully, we're gonna get back to this sometime relatively soon. But, uh, Keith, appreciate the time. We'll be back with a couple more pods next week. Uh, Until we talk to you guys then, go Cards, beat Virginia.